This hour, the podcast is exclusively sponsored by my good friends at Advantage Gold. Advantage Gold is a five-star rated gold company with one-of-a-kind customer service. And when it comes to gold and precious metals, Advantage Gold is the only company I'll work with. Call Advantage Gold today and make sure you let them know that Mark Levin sent you. And now, let's begin. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Well, the polls in the state that the next president needs to win are looking really, really good for Donald Trump. I mean, really good for Donald Trump. Welcome to the Mark Levin Show. The great one is off tonight. It's me, Rich Zioli from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia, your fellow Levinite. Great to be with you tonight. Yeah, the polls are wow. I mean, all seven of these states. So basically, let's face it, this election is going to come down to seven core states and two new polls have come out showing Trump has a massive, massive lead. And by massive, I mean five points, eight points in my state of Pennsylvania, where I'm broadcasting from right now at Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. He's up by three. But you see, every poll in these states has been consistent so far. Now, look, normally I don't trust polls in general elections. And I'll tell you the reason why. Because people lie to pollsters all the time. They're embarrassed to say they want to vote for Trump or they're worried about being labeled a racist or whatever nonsense the media is going to throw at them. So the pollster calls up and they go, uh, Biden. But in a Republican primary, Republicans are very proud of who they're voting for. They're proud to say it. And obviously you see that. Nobody is going to lie about that. And that's why he's been doing so well. And then when you get into the state polls, which are technically general election polls, but at this point in the election right now, you have to factor in there's there is a group of people that are that are lying and they're going to vote for Trump and they're not. They're just saying they're voting for Biden. So I'm already accounting for that. And Trump's still leading. See what the mistake that was made in 2016 was. They never accounted for the people that lied to pollsters. I did, which is why I knew he was going to win. And everybody else was saying he had a 99.99% chance of losing to Hillary Clinton, or she had a 157% chance of winning. I knew Trump was going to win because I knew there was a factor where people lie to pollsters because of the fact that they don't want to be labeled a Trump voter. So accounting for that now and looking at these seven polls, these seven states, I mean, You look at that and you go, wow, this is not good for Joe Biden. It's not good at all. Devastating set of polls shows Trump comfortably ahead of Biden in seven most important swing states. They are the following states, North Carolina, Nevada, Georgia, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Arizona. Trump is leading in every single one. These are must-win states. Now, what do these states have? Let's go through them a little bit, shall we? First of all, let's start with Georgia, where you have this corrupt district attorney, Bonnie Willis, who has waged a campaign to bring down Donald Trump. But she made a mistake. Oh, you know, love. The thing about love, it can lead you down some very, very dark paths in life. The thing about love is sometimes it leads you to cruise ships and Napa Valley wineries, beautiful hotels. And then sometimes it leads you to massive conflict of interest, which is what we're seeing in Fulton County, Georgia. Because she hired a boyfriend. To be the prosecutor on the case, even though this guy had no prosecutorial experience. 
I think he dealt with traffic tickets. Maybe possibly traffic tickets. Either way, he's never gone on a case like this before. And he's made about $700,000 doing it. Not chump change, not in this economy. Not when you have a $7 egg McMuffin. That's right. I'll get to that story a little bit later as we talk about Joe Biden's wonderful economy. But a $7.29 egg McMuffin. I mean, I love a good egg McMuffin, don't you? They're delicious. It's a great way to start the day. I generally, generally love McDonald's. I do. I'm a fan. My kids love it. And when you're driving, wherever you're driving with children, you know it's going to be consistent. So you never have to worry about that. But $7.29 for an English muffin, egg, cheese, and Canadian bacon, that's not good. But this is the reason why Trump is leading in all these polls. So despite what George is doing, despite the campaign to bring him down, Bonnie Willis engaged in a relationship with a married man. And then this guy charged all these things on his credit card. And now it's all come out. And that case is going to blow up. But even if it doesn't blow up, and somehow they wind up going forward with her as the prosecutor, although I cannot imagine a scenario where that happens now that Georgia is finally saying, you know what, this is a massive conflict of interest. We're not going to let this continue. But even if we can pretend and somehow it continues and somehow they find Trump guilty and there's no pardon power and he can't pardon himself and he's the sitting president in a Georgia state jail and the Navy SEALs have to go in and rescue him after the inauguration, uh, he still wins Georgia. He still wins Georgia with an eight-point lead. None of this nonsense has hurt him. I think it's only helped. I really do. I think all of these instances, we can all agree, have only helped him. Let's think about Nevada for a second, shall we? Let's think about Nevada. What is Nevada very close to the border, right? Arizona. What is Arizona close to the border? Yep. But the thing is, all these other states now are also very close to the border. We're all border states now. We all are. All of us. Governor Greg Abbott was very smart in sending illegal immigrants to every blue city and every blue state and saying, here you go. Here's your fair share. You told us no human is illegal. You said it. Hate has no home here. Well, guess what? Now, no one has a home here because you're having to put illegal immigrants in people's homes, literally, and in hotels. Mayor of Denver came out and said every hotel in the city's booked. They don't have any more room. And they're doing wacky things like in New Jersey, for example, where the governor there, Phil Murphy, the king, he at one point wanted New Jersey to be a sanctuary state. Well, this guy is loading up illegal immigrants at night onto trains and sending them into New York. He doesn't want to deal with them. So Greg Abbott was very smart in doing so. We're all border states now. Michigan, state of Michigan. Well, they've had that tyrant, Gretchen Whitmer, who's on the short list to replace Joe Biden if they do pull him out of the race. And Michigan's economy has been hurting under Gretchen Whitmer. People saw her tyrannical COVID policies. But Michigan also has a lot of uh, auto workers. And, you know, the thing about the auto workers union is that even though their president, Sean Fain, who sounded like a Marxist nut because he is, was yelling about Trump, he admitted, he conceded that a great majority, not just a majority, mind you, but a great majority of our members are going to vote for Donald Trump. He didn't say Trump's name. He just said it like this. He said, I know a great majority of our members are not going to vote for Joe Biden. They're going to vote with their paycheck. Despite the fact that um, this administration is trying to buy their vote by doing all these EV subsidies and the green subsidies and battery plants and all the other nonsense, the auto workers are smart enough to know that Biden's green agenda is going to cost them jobs because you need less auto workers to make these 
electric cars. So it's going to hurt them in the end. And all the subsidies in all the world are not going to save those jobs. Let's think about Wisconsin. Trump has a lead in Wisconsin. Republicans never win Wisconsin. Trump has a lead there. Arizona, like I mentioned. Nevada, like I mentioned. North Carolina, which Trump won in 2020. So I see that as a layup. But then the interesting thing is Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania will, in my opinion, decide the next president of the United States of America, just like it did in 2016. This time around, though, you got to take your cues from John Fetterman, the United States senator who is doing what I think is the ultimate long con here. This guy is going out there and saying he stands with Israel. He's saying we have to shut down the border. We need border security. Can't have the size, a, a population the size of the city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, coming across the border illegally every single day. Can't have it. And he's right. But he's saying that because he knows what people in Pennsylvania are thinking. He's not a dumb guy. He went to Harvard. I mean, he looks like a big dope, but he did go to Harvard. He's a smart guy. And he knows what people are thinking. And he understands that this illegal immigration invasion that's happening at the southern border is a killer for the Democrats. The wackos who stand with or stand against Israel, I should say, it's a killer for the Democrats. It really is. So Fetterman knows. He understands that. And I think there's a good bellwether right there. Now, ultimately, he may just be pretending that he's sensible on these issues so that ultimately he can stab Trump in the back and shiv him. But, you see, I don't think it's going to work because he's taking the position he's taking on these issues, which is very different from the progressive positions he's taken in the past. I mean, this is a guy who was very proud of the fact that he married an immigrant and he was very pro-amnesty and very pro-immigration and short of saying open borders. I mean, he was all about these things. And he's angered progressives with his stand, his stance on Israel. And he's angered them with his stance on immigration. In fact, his wife, Giselle Fetterman, apparently deleted her social media accounts, according to stories, because she was so tired of getting trolled by progressives who were coming after her for her husband's policy shifts on these things. So even if John Fetterman turns around and stabs Trump in the back, it's not going to matter because he's trying to be reflective of what the people are saying. And this is what the people of Pennsylvania are saying. They're tired of the illegal immigration problem. They're tired of the crime. You know, I'm broadcasting in Philadelphia right now. And I can tell you that this city is, like most blue cities across the country right now, it is having a massive problem with crime. The new mayor comes in and says, we're going to empower the police commissioner. We are going to do something about crime. And that's great, but there's a lot of people that just want to leave the city. They want to get away from it. They want to get out, but they can't. They can't afford to leave. There are no houses. There's no inventory for houses. The mortgage rates are too high. All these economic factors, and yes, a $7.29 egg McMuffin, all factor in to people's decisions on things. But let's think about something else, too. Joe Biden earlier this week or last week, I forget now, it's hard to remember which day he decided to further destroy this country, but uh, he decided to once again take a shiv to America's energy independence by putting out a short-term ban on liquid natural gas exports. Now, you know as well as I do that this is a long-term plan. He wants to get rid of liquid natural gas. The left hates natural gas, just like they hate oil. They love windmills, even though windmills killed whales and dolphins. But as I've long said to you, you know, dead whales don't vote. Dead Democrats vote, but not dead whales. So they don't care about dead whales and dolphins. They're all in on the windmills. 
Throwing them solar panels, throwing them EVs, throwing and empowering China with these things. But you see, Pennsylvania also has the Marcellus Shale. And natural gas is very important to the Pennsylvania economy. If you did a big liquid natural gas export station right outside of Philadelphia, very close to where I'm broadcasting, you'd create a lot of jobs. So Biden's war on energy is also going to be a big factor in a lot of these places, too. No question about it. I mean, in Michigan, think about it. You're, you're a guy working on the, uh, or, or a gal, working on the assembly line, building cars, and you hear all these wacko Democrat governors like Phil Murphy and Gavin Newsom, and yes, even the president himself talking about making gas-powered cars illegal. And just like we saw with the coal miners, when Joe Biden and Barack Obama waged a war on coal years ago, and they turned around and they pretended like they cared about the coal miners, Hillary Clinton going down there and saying, I know, Bo, we'll just teach you how to code. Learn to code, bro, it's all good. The attack on fossil fuels. I mean, if you work in this industry, that's how you make your livelihood. And everything you're trying to buy is more expensive, including egg McMuffins. And now you have this guy in the White House and all these Democrat governors who want to come for your job. And you know they're coming for your job because they want to make the thing that you build illegal. Literally illegal. You're not voting for Democrats. It doesn't matter if your if your union president has endorsed Joe Biden or not. I remember succinctly walking down the streets in Philadelphia in 2016. Union guys had Trump stickers on their hard hats, even though all their union bosses were backing Hillary Clinton at the time. It's the same story now. Joe Biden can pretend he's Mr. Blue Collar, he's Mr. Union, but they don't buy it because they see his policies. They see what he's doing to industries that these people work in. Oil, natural gas, yes, coal, all of these things. And in addition to that, Biden's war on natural gas empowers Vladimir Putin. So as we continue to send unlimited checks to Ukraine, we're empowering Vladimir Putin, who is selling his natural gas. We're also empowering Iran. We're empowering China. We're empowering literally three of our enemies by this stupid move to do a temporary export of natural gas, which I'm telling you is going to be a long-term ban on liquid natural gas exports. People see through it. That's why Trump is leading in the seven states that matter in this election. And a big reason why? Immigration. And when we get back, I'll tell you exactly why. Democrat mayors and Democrat governors know that Joe Biden is wrong. It's the Mark Levin Show. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one, coming right back. Mark Levin. Folks, by the time you finish listening to this message, the U.S. government will print $8,300 in new money. That's every minute. That's 276 new dollars every single second. Money that won't go to defending our nation or improving our roads. It's wiping away the value of your dollar and your savings. I'm Mark Levin, and I have warned Americans about this crisis. That's why I'm recommending to all my listeners, diversify in precious metals while you still can. And the only gold company I strongly support is Advantage Gold, a five-star rated gold company. They can educate you with the real facts, including why gold may be the single best investment of this decade. Call them right now, folks. 800-900-8000. It's that simple. Tell them Mark Levin sent you, and they'll provide you with a 100% free Golden Shield Wealth Plan to show you exactly how to get started investing in gold right now. Don't wait until it's too late. That's 800-900-8000. 800-900-8000. 
8,000. Call them and remember to tell them you heard it from me, Mark Levin. Performance may vary, of course. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should always consult your financial and tax professional. Now, as you look at these polls, it's important to remember something. Obviously, things can change. Obviously, sentiment can change. Obviously, the Fed can play their little games with the economy this year. But the reality is, though, that the trends here have not been changing favorably for Joe Biden. They've been going in Trump's direction for quite some time now. So I look at these things as trends. I look at trends. I look at where people are going and what you see here. And you're talking about an eight-point lead, a five-point lead, a three-point lead. These things matter when you know people are already telling pollsters what they think the pollster wants to hear. The question, of course, becomes this. If Donald Trump continues to go down the road of having to deal with prosecutor after prosecutor and this civil case in New York where it's nothing civil about it, where the state of New York is using such an exorbitant punishment against him, it absolutely flies in the face of the Sixth Amendment. He deserves a jury trial, what they're trying to do to him. The defamation lawsuit, E. Jean Carroll, this was not a sexual assault lawsuit settlement. This was a defamation lawsuit verdict by a jury, and it was insane. You have George's prosecutor going after him, and then, of course, you have all the nonsense on the federal level with Jack Smith, the guy who's hell-bent on getting him, and yet none of these things are hurting him. None of them. So probably what's going to happen, I think, is probably Jack Smith's going to throw more charges at Trump. And that'll probably help him even more. You know, every single day that the government wages a campaign against him, it reminds people of the fact that, you know, they're, they're not that far off from him. In terms of the fact that we've all had a deal in our lives of, of, in one way, shape or form, being worried about somebody coming after us for our views and our thoughts whether it's because you were afraid of posting on Facebook or you were afraid of saying something at work or you're afraid of getting trouble with HR, whatever it is, we all get it now. You know, we all saw it. We went through it together. We all dealt with big tech censoring us during COVID. We saw the nonsense for a lot of people. They were called bigots. They were called all these names. In the states that Trump won in 2016, but then lost in 2020, leaving aside allegations of cheating and dead people voting and everything, Just figure the people that voted for Trump in 2016 and changed their mind in 2020 because they didn't like his tweets or they thought, well, I hated Hillary Clinton's guts. I had a visceral reaction of hatred for her. And and, and people did. I mean, they really hated her. But they didn't hate Joe Biden as much. You know, he was Grandpa Joe in the basement. Well, now those people are seeing the results of crazy Uncle Joe in the basement and they don't like it. And they're coming back to Trump in 2024. Mark my words, because that's what the polls are showing. It's a Mark Levin Show, coming right back. Folks, by the time you finish listening to this message, the U.S. government will print $8,300 in new money. That's every minute. That's $276 new dollars every single second. Money that won't go to defending our nation or improving our roads. It's wiping away the value of your dollar and your savings. I'm Mark Levin, and I have warned Americans about this crisis. That's why I'm recommending to all my listeners, diversify in precious metals while you still can. And the only gold company I strongly support is Advantage Gold. 
a five-star rated gold company. They can educate you with the real facts, including why gold may be the single best investment of this decade. Call them right now, folks. 800-900-8000. It's that simple. Tell them Mark Levin sent you, and they'll provide you with a 100% free Golden Shield Wealth Plan to show you exactly how to get started investing in gold right now. Don't wait until it's too late. That's 800-900-8000. Call them and remember to tell them you heard it from me, Mark Levin. Performance may vary, of course. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should always consult your financial and tax professional. Mark Levin, the most passionate conservative on radio. Talk with him now at 877-381-3811. The great one is off tonight. It's me, Rich Zioli from Mark's hometown of Philly with you. Thanks for being here tonight, my fellow Levinites. As we think about the 2024 election and how all these things are seemingly helping Trump, all these court battles, all these attacks on him, let's think about what E. Jean Carroll said the other night on MSNBC and how those comments actually also helped Donald Trump. There's a story about that today that I read. How her comments the other night to Rachel Maddow, which if you watched it, It was absolutely cringeworthy. So here she is, supposedly this sexual assault victim, even though the the money she got was for a defamation lawsuit. It was not a sexual assault lawsuit. It's important to understand that. But realizing that she then goes on Rachel Maddow's show and she makes these jokes, you know, about how to spend all the money. And there was an opinion piece at Mediaite, which is not a conservative site, but it basically says, you know, in this piece that, during the monologue, when Maddow fittingly set the stage for her guest, recalling her as a pioneering voice for women's rights, what could have been a dispassionate and sober discussion of how the presumptive GOP nominee for president was a judge to be a rapist and undisciplined defamer of his victim. First of all, that's not true, but nevertheless, you know, it shows you the, pers- the perspective of the writer, right? So you know where this guy's coming from. He's definitely coming from the left. Instead, turned into a laugh riot joke session that only lacked high fives because the participants were not in the same studio. And the S eating grins on display undermined much of the news value of the interview and only supported Trump's aggrieved victimization racket, he writes, which is total BS. But why feed the troll? So here you have an angry lefty writing this piece and knowing how bad this was for E. Jean Carroll And Rachel Maddow and everybody else and how this is exactly what Trump's talking about. This was a money grab. This was a scam. This was you. This was you coming after me for money. I don't even know who this woman is and on and on. It doesn't hurt Trump in the polls, but it does show how the left and their crusade against him is backfiring. It really does. Here's the uh, exchange from MSNBC. Take a listen. You've talked about using some of... Trump's money you're about to get um, to help shore up women's rights. Do you know what that might be, what that might look like? Yes, Rachel. Yes. Tell me. I had such such great ideas (laughs) for all the good I'm going to do with this money. First thing, Rachel... You and I are going to go shopping. We're going to get completely new wardrobes, new shoes, motorcycle for Crowley, new fishing rod for Robbie. Rachel, what do you want? Penthouse? It's yours, Rachel. Penthouse and uh, France? You want France? You want to go fishing in France? No? Oh, all right, all right, okay. That's a joke. (laughs) 
<laughs> Although if, if me fishing in France could yeah. do something for women's rights, I would take the hit. You know, I would obviously uh, take, take one for the team. I All right, let me, let me. Uh, <laughs> Let's understand this. This was not a victory for women's rights. This was not a sexual assault claim. This was defamation damage claims. That's it. That's what this was. As Andy McCarthy from National Review very succinctly put it, the astonishing $83.3 million defamation verdict against Donald Trump arrived at by a New York jury in the federal E. Jean Carroll trial involved only defamation damage claims, not a sexual assault claim. The nub of the Carroll case, which is different from uh, in which a different New York jury awarded just five million dollars. Fresh off that, the former president is now facing the near certainty that New York State Judge Arthur Engeron, an elected progressive Democrat, will enter a verdict against Trump in the neighborhood of three hundred seventy million dollars. Which is what, of course, Letitia James, the attorney general, wants. And Letitia James ran for her job, just like that judge ran for his job. And Letitia James ran on a campaign of stopping Donald Trump, much like how Fawny Willis did in Georgia. You know what I think? I think deep down inside, a lot of people think to themselves, I get it. Everybody's coming after this guy. They're coming after me, too, in different ways in life. You know, in different ways, people feel as if something is coming after them. Whether it's their boss, whether it's the, uh, the the economics of the situation, whether it's the fact that they got to sit there at work and take DEI classes and training to learn about their unconscious bias or whatever it is, workers who feel as if their industry is under attack. I think they can relate to this guy, Trump, I mean, because he's constantly under attack. And Democrats are so dumb. They're so politically stupid that they don't get that point. They don't get the fact that every time they take shots at Trump, what they wind up doing is making people feel as if, yeah, you know what? I get it. This guy's got a giant target on his back. I have a giant target on my back in different ways, you know, in different ways. Maybe I'm a coal miner and they're trying to take my job away from me. I work in natural gas, try to take my job away from me. Maybe I got to compete with illegal immigrants now for my job. Maybe I got to worry about the fact that I'm a I'm a man in his 50s who's white. I'm worried that I'm going to lose my job because of some DEI initiative in my company. There are feelings out there from people. I'm a mom at a school board meeting and I was called a domestic violent extremist by the attorney general. I raised questions about the covid vaccine on Facebook and I was uh, called uh, disinformation. My post was taken down and people accused me of being a conspiracy theorist i get it people really feel a connection to that and the democrats create that connection democrats create that connection for donald trump with people it's like he's a billionaire but he's a populist and he's always talking directly to people in a way that washington hates because it's not the washington way to speak but that's how real people talk they really do talk that way as in locker room talk and as in just the way people just joke around and bust chops and make jokes. and But the uniting factor is, I think everybody right now, we all feel like we have a giant bullseye on our back one way or the other. Really do. It's everywhere. I mean, this story, which is, it's kind of, it would normally be funny, I guess, in some way, shape or form, if you think about an Egg McMuffin that's $7.29. But there's nothing funny about that. If you look at the way 
that people are trying to feed their family right now. There's nothing funny about that. It's ridiculous. Fairfield, Connecticut. And it's outrageous. And like I said, delicious, because egg McMuffins are delicious. But they were two for $2 not that long ago. You could get two of them for 2 bucks not that long ago. This is the thing about, about uh, Joe Biden's America. I mean, little things like that matter to people. There are a lot of people who their way of taking their family out to dinner, do something special, treat the kids, is actually taking them to McDonald's. Now, whether you think it's unhealthy or not, it's not really the point. The point is that there are choices parents are making about, boy, you know, forget Disney World or Disneyland and the woke ridiculousness of those places and how expensive it is. Like Disneyland had their wheel of privilege. They actually had this, a wheel of privilege in their break room. They took it down, but they went through all the reasons why you have privilege. You're white, you're cisgender, you're able-bodied, blah, blah, blah. And all I kept thinking was, you know, the definition of privilege is if you can afford to take your family on a Disney World vacation. But for some families right now, it's, do I, can I take my kids to the movies? Can I do something special with them? Just take them to the movies where it's going to cost me 50 bucks. It's a lot on people, and I think people are walking around right now thinking something has to give here. Something has to give. And then they see Trump every day, every day battling something, whether it's the feds, it's the state of Georgia, it's the state of New York, it's Eugene Carroll, and they get it. They empathize with him. And empathy in politics, usually it's the job of the politician to empathize with the people. In this case now, it's the people empathizing with him. Going, man, they, they just won't stop coming after you. They are terrified of you. What are they so afraid of about you getting in there for another term? Oh, is it the fact that you'd be a lame duck and you could do whatever you want, basically, for four years? And they're really worried you're going to come in and just burn the place down? Metaphorically, of course. Let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn on the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zeolian for The Great One. Hello, Jimmy. Hello. You uh, mentioned before you talked a little bit about uh, the environmental movement. People have to realize Earth Day, April 22nd, is the birthday of Lenin, the guy that founded the Soviet Union. That's not an accident, because the guy that declared April 22nd Earth Day, his name was Gaylord Nelson. He worked with a group called the Institute for Policy Studies, a well-known, extremely powerful, dangerous KGB front group. And Kerry's group, John Kerry's group, Vietnam Veterans Against the War, was at the same address as the National Council American-Soviet Friendship Committee. We could go on and on. There's so many connections here between the communists, the Soviets, the You're leaving the something world. out, though. You're leaving something out about Earth Day. You know what you're leaving out? What? Ira Einhorn. He's the guy that started Earth Day in Philadelphia, no. and he killed his girlfriend, murdered his ex-girlfriend, Holly Maddox, and then tried to say that she'd been killed by CIA agents. He actually tried to say that the CIA had her killed because uh, they had framed him for the crime because uh, they knew too much about climate change. That's actually what that lunatic said. He was a hippie. He was all about the environment. He was Mr. Uh, Mr. Earth Day. And, yeah, and the guy was a murderer, too. 
So there you go. But look how brilliant this is. Look how brilliant this is. The, the usual old-fashioned Marxist way, the workers led by the Communist Party are the driving force of history. But a lot of people were not into the class warfare. So you could get good, decent people, conservative people involved in the environmental movement, and you convince them you've got to destroy America's energy sector to save the planet. But that will destroy our economy with the immigrants coming in because of the revolutionaries. We're going to have to start cutting budgets, and the only place to cut is the military budget as our enemies are preparing for war. All of this stuff was written about and planned years ago, even weaponizing the government agencies. That was done in Czechoslovakia. And the American Congress. Oh, yeah. And Jimmy, look, and they're doing it here. And thank you for the call. It's an excellent call. And I appreciate it. And you're spot on with everything you say. And I appreciate it very much. Yeah, look, I mean, we've said it before. Mark said it a million times. Climate change is a way to destroy capitalism and usher in the Marxist revolution. That's what climate change is about. Look, you can't run an economy without oil and natural gas and coal, period. You can't. Windmills and solar panels are not going to get you there. You know the arrogance, the hubris of listening to these people at the World Economic Forum, the WEF, as they lecture developing nations? Oh, sorry, you, you don't get to bring your country up to the same standard that we have here in Davos. We're all eating lobster, foie gras, and canopies. Canopies? That's what they're doing in Davos on their private jets. It's a lovely, lovely way of life. But when the developing world wants access to the very energy sources that have helped propel places like Davos to where it is, uh, the elites at the WEF say no. You don't get that. Because to usher in a socialist revolution, not only do they make you eat bugs, which is also what they're trying to do, and they're just trying to destroy agriculture. You see all these protests that are happening around the world. In France, and Germany, Brazil, there's protests happening everywhere, and here in America too. Those farmers understand that they have a target on their back too. Yeah, you know, I listen to these people at the World Economic Forum talk about how agriculture is such a cause of climate change. And we've got to do something about it. Not just the cows and their toots, mind you, which cause methane, but also because everything around agriculture increases climate change, CO2 emissions. So if I'm a farmer, I have a big bullseye on my back, too. Don't think for a second. I don't understand what that's like. Everything that the elites, the Democrat Party, the establishment is trying to do here, what they're doing is they're further endearing Trump to people because everybody feels like right now I have a gigantic bullseye on me. They're coming for me one way or another. I'm a conservative. I'm a pro-lifer. I'm voting for Trump anyway. But I, I, I understand now there's six pro-lifers who were just uh, found guilty in federal prison for singing hymns and praying outside an abortion clinic. This is where the Democrats are getting this completely wrong. And this is because James Carville said it best years ago. He said the Democrat Party has become the party of the faculty lounge and coastal elites. They don't relate to people anymore. They don't know how to relate to people. And his group found that for the first time since the question was asked when FDR was president, Workers, people that work for a living now say they believe the Republican Party has their back by about six points in that direction. That's a very bad sign for the Democrat Party, which, of course, hates America. This is the Mark Levin Show. The great one is off. It's me, Rich Zioli from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD 877-381-1210. 
3811 coming right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, by the time you finish listening to this message, the U.S. government will print $8,300 in new money. That's every minute. That's 276 new dollars every single second. Money that won't go to defending our nation or improving our roads. It's wiping away the value of your dollar and your savings. I'm Mark Levin, and I have warned Americans about this crisis. That's why I'm recommending to all my listeners, diversify in precious metals while you still can. And the only gold company I strongly support is Advantage Gold, a five-star rated gold company. They can educate you with the real facts, including why gold may be the single best investment of this decade. Call them right now, folks. 800-900-8000. It's that simple. Tell them Mark Levin sent you, and they'll provide you with a 100% free Golden Shield Wealth Plan to show you exactly how to get started investing in gold right now. Don't wait until it's too late. That's 800-900-8000. Call them, and remember to tell them you heard it from me, Mark Levin. Performance may vary, of course. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should always consult your financial and tax professional. I'll give you an example. Exactly what I mean. Perfect timing. New York Post just published a story how E. Jean Carroll was at a posh bar in, uh, I think, the village in New York, celebrating her victory with Molly Jung Fast, who's a lefty journalist, and people from MSNBC, Rolling Stone, the publisher of Rolling Stone. They're all hanging out together, celebrating. Celebrating. So I think people look at that and go, you know, you elitist SOBs, honestly, I have no business with you people. I don't get you people. I don't, I, I don't, I don't get it. And this is why people are shunning the elites. Eric is in Iowa on the Mark Levin Show. Hello, Eric. Oh, he just dropped. Okay. And he was going to disagree with me. That's a shame. I would have blown him up, but that's all right. Metaphorically, I have to say that, of course, you know, because they're tracking everybody nowadays. Well, they are, you know, what you buy. You buy a Cabela's hat. You buy a gun. You go fishing. You might be MAGA. You might be a domestic violent extremist. So Biden wants to see your credit card receipts. And Biden wants to see all of the things you're doing online. The NSA, it was a story about this, the NSA purchased the internet browsing history of millions of Americans, tens of millions of Americans. You know, typically that sort of thing requires, what's the word for it? Um, A warrant, right. If the government wants to get information on you, they're supposed to go to a judge, prove why, and then get a warrant. But in this case now, they just act like they're the gap and just buy your information. You know, why not? I mean, if somebody's selling it, why can't the government just buy it? Then use it against you. That's exactly why they should not be allowed to just buy your information, because they can use it against you, and that's exactly what they're doing. So you see, whenever we think about the current state of America right now, whenever we think about the tension that's out there, it's not tension because of us, our side. It's tension because of the left, because the left is hoping. You don't think the left is sitting around right now hoping that shooting starts at the Texas border? Absolutely they are. 100% they are. And I'm telling you right now, if Joe Biden federalizes the, the National Guard, that will be the dumbest political move he could make. It will go down as one of the absolute dumbest political moves in American history. I don't think there will be violence down there. But if it happens, 
It's Joe Biden's fault, and it will be the end of his presidency. I already think his presidency's over. But it could get a whole lot worse politically for him. And that's where we'll go next. The border. As the left understands finally that hate does have a home. Because they hate all these illegal immigrants now. It's the Mark Levin Show. We're coming right back for hour number two. Don't go away. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. The number is two. Two is the number. Two Democrats voted against a very important bill in Congress, which would have banned anyone who participated in the October 7th Hamas attack against Israel from immigrating to the United States of America. Two Democrats voted against it. Want to guess who? Cori Bush and Rashida Tlaib. Welcome to the Mark Levin Show. The great one is off tonight. It's me, Rich Zioli from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia with you, where I do the afternoon drive show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. I am surprised that Ilan Omar voted for it. I don't know if she did or not. I don't know uh, either way, but uh, she's another vile person, Ilan Omar. You know, she thinks Somalia runs our country, and it's Somali first for Ilan Omar. She's just, these people are insane. They really are. They, they, and this is, this, is the other, this is the other problem that Democrats have right now. There was this um, polling that was done a little while ago by James Carville's group. And the focus, they asked people all kinds of different questions, but primarily they were asking Democrat voters or Democrat-leaning voters. And they, one of the questions was, which party do you think is crazier? Basically, I'm, sum, yeah, I'm summarizing it. And uh, they said the Democrat Party was. Well, you can see why. I mean, with the squad leaders of Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar, Cori Bush, who's now yelling about how, uh, how dare they investigate her for hiring her husband as her bodyguard, and or actually her bodyguard became her husband. And then the other whack job bodyguard thinks he's 109 trillion years old, can make earthquakes happen, cause tornadoes, and have blood rituals where he can destroy his enemies and use telepathy and walk on water and uses organic gardening so he doesn't have to buy food from the Jews. That's one of Cori Bush's bodyguards. And she screams about defund the police and also screams about how you should not be able to have a gun. But she needs it. She deserves it. She's better than you. She's a member of Congress, you see. That, that guy, the 109 trillion year old who is her bodyguard, that guy. We listened to some clips of him yesterday on my show. And we had to do a lot of editing. Because this guy is nuts and a huge anti-Semite. But they're all anti-Semites. I mean, that's the thing. They're just crazy people. That's why John Fetterman has to pretend, or at least he has to acknowledge, hey, I'm different from these people because I stand with Israel and these people are nuts. Now, John Fetterman is not, is not doing the right thing when it comes to voting. The Pennsylvania senator 
is still all in with Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer on tying Ukraine funding to Israel funding to funding for Gaza to also immigration. When all of these things should be separate standalone votes. Interestingly enough, John Fetterman's wife has taken down all of her social media posts. Now, (laughs) I have a theory about this. People said before John Fetterman had a stroke, he was this big progressive. He had the tattoos and the hoodies and the shorts, and he would go around Pennsylvania, and he was always saying he was the Bernie Sanders of Pennsylvania. Then he had a stroke, and now he's saying all these things that make him sound like a sensible moderate. And there was this conspiracy theory on the Internet for a while, whether or not John Fetterman had a body double. And he actually came out and addressed it one day, and he made a joke about it, where he and his himself talked to each other, and there were all these different things about pictures and body doubles. So I made a joke. You've ever seen, there was a movie years ago called Dave with Kevin Klein and Sigourney Weaver. It was from the early 90s. And Kevin Klein plays both the president and this guy, Dave, who does a great impression of him. And the president has a stroke. So they bring this guy, Dave, in, who does this great impression of the president. And they say, okay, we're, you're going to be the president now. You're going to act like the president. Because we don't want to tell anybody that he's had a stroke. So go out there and do what we tell you to do and say what we tell you to say. And he does for a little while until the first lady realizes it's not really her husband. But then they kind of hit it off. And his policies come out. His real policies come out. He's much more to the left of the actual president. And so by the end of the movie, Dave, he's taken the administration on a much different political course. The body double assumed the actual role. So I was saying, well, maybe that's what happened with John Fetterman. Maybe the body double assumed the role. Now, I'm being sarcastic. I'm being tongue-in-cheek. But life does imitate art. So anything's possible. But the only thing about it, though, is that if that's the case, then this is a bummer because the movie and the real-life story don't end the same way because Giselle Fetterman is not happy with the body double. Her uh, social media accounts have gone dark amid progressive backlash. This shows you how crazy people on the left are. So she posts on Twitter and Instagram, and they've all apparently been deleted. And she's not posted publicly on her Facebook account since December. She announced her social media break in November with a post on her now deleted Twitter account and attributed her break to feeling insulted by her treatment as Senator John Fetterman's spouse. I mean, if you've got to go dark on social media because you're getting so much blowback, because of of the way people are treating you. She actually posted an update to that. Here's what she said. I posted several months ago that I would be taking a break from social media. I was bored with it. I'm a Pisces. It wasn't adding anything to my life, but leaving social media is somehow more exhausting than having it, question mark. And then she says, you guys are terrible, respectfully. So she's back, but... Not really back because she's trying to take a little bit of a back seat because her husband has been so outspoken on saying things that have caused the progressive kook wing of the Democrat Party, which really is a Democrat Party, to come after John Fetterman and come after his wife. I mean, there's a local Philadelphia reporter, a columnist named Will Bunch, who has just been just going after Fetterman nonstop. Because they say he's changed, you know, he's changed his position on things. The fact that two Democrats have a temerity to vote against a a ban 
on anyone who participated in the October 7th terrorist attack in Israel from immigrating to the United States. And Cori Bush and Rashida Tlaib actually have the temerity to come out and vote no. I mean, that's crazy. I'm sure a lot of other Democrats believe in their heart that those people should be allowed to come to this country, even though they're anti-Semitic terrorists, but who cares? But they were at least politically savvy enough to vote for the bill, to say, no, they shouldn't be allowed to. These two idiots, they're not even hiding it. They're not even pretending to hide it. It's the same thing with Ilan Omar. We, we know these people hate America. We, we know that. We, we, we know that they believe that America should have open borders because it needs to atone for all of its past sins and its years and years of colonialism and white supremacy and hierarchy and patriarchy and blah, blah, blah. We know that. But for Ilan Omar to come out and say all the things that she said about Somalia and to come out and say these things that, you know, she puts Somalia first. She's a United States congresswoman. Actually, Congress uh, Governor Ron DeSantis came out and said she should, she should be kicked out of Congress for that. She should be kicked out of Congress because she says she puts Somalia first. She's facing all kinds of backlash for that. And she should get kicked out of Congress for it. I mean, look, they kicked out George Santos. The guy wasn't even found guilty of anything. But he's a Republican, so Republicans turn on him. Will Democrats actually turn on Ilan Omar? No. Because Democrats never turn on each other. They threw Santos right under the bus. I mean, the guy, there were allegations, but he was never found guilty of anything. Doesn't matter. Like Senator Bob Menendez is a great example. Everybody in New Jersey politics knows Bob Menendez is a crook. You don't need an indictment to prove that, but it helps. The only reason they came after Bob Menendez the first time is because he opposed the Obama administration on Iran, the Iran deal. And this time around, he opposed the Biden administration, which is basically the Obama administration on the Iran deal. So they indicted him again. Gold bars, Mercedes, all these things. But everybody knew about it for years. It wasn't a surprise. And New Jersey Attorney General's office knew about this years ago, too. The difference, though, is that as long as you're good, you stay in your lane, you be a good little Democrat and do what you're told, they will ignore it. But if you cross them, they'll come after you. And that's what they're doing. But at the same time... Bob Menendez is still on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He is still receiving classified briefings. The guy's accused of helping Egypt and Qatar, selling out the United States of America for two countries who are directly involved in the entire mess of Joe Biden's Middle East right now. Qatar helping Iran. Egypt playing both sides. And there's Bob Menendez still getting briefings, even though the guy helped those governments out in exchange for his friends to get lucrative contracts who would then pay him off. Those are the accusations leveled by the United States of America. It seems to me those are a little bit more serious than whatever was leveled against George Santos, yet they threw him out. Bob Menendez is still there. And Ilan Omar, even though she says she puts Somalia first, not the United States of America, they won't kick her out of Congress because the Democrats don't turn on each other. They just don't. And this is part of the reason why people view the party as crazy. Now, you have a number of uh, Democrat governors. We all know the Republicans have come out and sided with Greg Abbott. Smart. 25 of them, at least. Smart. Come out and side with Greg Abbott, who is not defying the United States Supreme Court. Anybody who tells you that the Texas governor is defying the Supreme Court is lying to you. They are lying. Do not believe them. It is a lie. The United States Supreme Court did not tell Greg Abbott 
he had to do anything. They did not tell Texas, you're not allowed to put up barbed wire. You must take down razor wire. Nothing. And all Greg Abbott's doing is saying, if you take it down, we're going to put it back up. Good. He should. But he's not defying the United States Supreme Court. I had all these people on social media coming after me when I said that. They're like, no, no, no. He said he said he's going to keep putting up razor wire. Well, good. He should. And the court did not tell him he can't. And by the way, what we're talking about now is the standoff state land and private property. If I've got razor wire on my private property, the federal government has no right to come on my private property and tell me to take it down. None whatsoever. I might be violating some municipal fencing code. That's certainly possible. I mean, sure. But the federal government doesn't get involved in fences on private property. Those codes annoy me, too, because if it were up to me, I would put a 10-foot-high fence on my property, but my town limits it to six feet. Then again, I would put a moat with alligators along the southern border, like Donald Trump said he would but never did, because he was joking. But anyway, uh, the federal government has no right to come on your private property and take down your razor wire. And the other land we're talking about is Texas state property. Texas is land. Federal government has no right to come on their land. We have a system of federalism in this country. And Texas has every right to put that on its property. We're not talking about federal land here. So Texas is 100% in the right, not defying the Supreme Court, and Republican governors are right to stand with him. But Democrat governors also joined in a letter, a much different letter, calling on the administration to do something about, quote-unquote, the immigration system. Not the border. They're afraid to say that, but that's what it is. Because they're all dealing with this now. As they all put up their signs that says hate has no home here and no person is illegal, they really never meant it. And all these people start showing up and they say, we didn't really think you'd come. You know, we said drop in any time, but we didn't think you'd take us up on it. Well, guess what? They did. They're here. And now these people don't want them there. So the Democrats, and you'll hear from the Democrat mayor of Denver, you'll hear from Democrat governors who are coming out and saying, we have no room for them now. Whether it's Chicago, whether it's New York, whether it is Denver, Colorado, it doesn't matter. These sanctuary cities are all breaking under the strain of Joe Biden's open borders. But there's a distinction. The National Democrats love open borders. As I will explain to you upon my return here on The Mark Levin Show, we're coming right back. Mark Levin. Does social engineering from leftist corporations make you feel like we're living in the twilight zone? Well, you're not alone. Pure Talk, my wireless company, knows the silent majority is fed up. And I urge all those Americans to stand with a company that champions your values. Those of you who always have your neighbors back, who pulled yourselves up by your bootstraps, who realize that a little bit of elbow grease can fix just about anything. Well, it's time to join your fellow patriots who fled their old wireless company for something better. Pure Talk. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network for half the price of the other guys. And with unlimited plans starting at just $20 a month, the average family saves almost $1,000 a year. And it's a veteran-owned company. Pure Talk is a company you can feel proud to do business with. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin to join your fellow Americans and make the switch. That's puretalk.com slash Levin and save an additional 50% off your first month with Pure Talk. 
877-381-3811 here on the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one. Let's go to Tony in New Jersey. Hello, Tony. Hi, Rich. Happy New Year. Thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you. So, you know, Rich, you always you always give me a sort of superior thoughts to yours, but that's because you're so good at at communicating. And I feel when I talk to you, I'm so much better for listening. So here's my thought for tonight. I think what we're seeing in President Trump is that the votes as we're seeing them in the caucus, the Iowa caucus, uh, the New Hampshire primary, all the swing state information you've given us is that America is really voting on on President Trump, but they're saying, you know what, this is a man who knows who America is, who knows about the American dream. It's almost, it's his back to America. We come here, we get a job, we work, we, we do well, and we're not thrown out because of all the illegals coming into the country, etc. and wokeism. And I think this is what, when they, history writes about this election, it's going to say this is when America rediscovered itself after three plus years of President Joseph Robin and Biden. That's all yeah. I that's all I could say. I think it's gonna be dynamic. I I hope you're right. I love your enthusiasm and your optimism, Tony, and thank you for listening to the show and uh you have a wonderful night. And I do have to say it's very, very gutsy to say happy new year on the thirty first of January. But I like it. I like it. By the way, you can follow along on Twitter at Rich Zioli, R-I-C-H-Z-E-O-L-I, if you like. It's funny because I think that a lot of voters in 2020 who switched, they voted for Trump in 2016 and then voted for Biden in 2020 because they just hated Hillary Clinton so much in 2016, they recoiled at her. Then they thought Biden was going to be this you know, sweet old guy in his basement and they were tired of Trump's tweets or whatever it was. They were tired of the pandemic. They were exhausted. Again, we're leaving aside cheating and we're leaving aside dead people voting. I'm not discounting those things. I'm just saying, we know, there are people who change their mind. I'm telling you, there those people now, as my buddy Johnny Cook from Virginia put it, they will walk over glass now to vote for Trump, realizing the error in their ways of 2020, seeing the results of all this. They're, they're pulling a Bud Light. They're pulling a Bud Light. Here's what I mean by this. Bud Light, after its disastrous move to have transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney destroy their brand, they're now partnering with Shane Gillis, who's a very funny comedian, who's on the conservative side of the spectrum, does a great Trump impression, by the way, and was canceled by Saturday Night Live. They're doing a complete 180 as they try to save their brand. It's the Mark Levin Show. Don't go away. Does social engineering from leftist corporations make you feel like we're living in the twilight zone? Well, you're not alone. Pure Talk, my wireless company, knows the silent majority is fed up. And I urge all those Americans to stand with a company that champions your values. Those of you who always have your neighbors back, who pulled yourselves up by your bootstraps, who realize that a little bit of elbow grease can fix just about anything. Well, it's time to join your fellow patriots who fled their old wireless company for something better. Pure Talk. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. 
for half the price of the other guys. And with unlimited plans starting at just $20 a month, the average family saves almost $1,000 a year. And it's a veteran-owned company. Pure Talk is a company you can feel proud to do business with. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin to join your fellow Americans and make the switch. That's puretalk.com slash Levin and save an additional 50% off your first month with Pure Talk. Conservatism with passion. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now. 877-381-3811. You know, every single time you think the Democrats get crazy, there is a way they can get crazier. Just don't forget that. We have not seen, we have not achieved peak crazy. We have not. We have not, we're not even there. We're not close to it yet. Peak crazy has not yet been achieved. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one, my radio mentor and Philadelphia's own Mark Levin. So great to be with you tonight, my fellow Levinites. I was thinking about this idea, if you're the Democrats right now, if you look at Joe Biden as a candidate, And you see now Trump is winning in all seven of these states. There's a story out there today about how Biden has a four point lead uh, over Trump. And I'm telling you right now, that story is a fugazi. Fugazi, meaning it's fake. Don't believe it. I'll tell you the reason why. Never, ever, ever promise me, please. Six point. Never, ever, please. I mean this. If I ask you one thing. Just do this one thing for me. Don't believe national polls ever. They are irrelevant. Throw them away. Well, let me ask you two things. The second thing is never believe polls of registered voters. It means nothing. You need to poll likely voters. And if I could ask you a third thing, it would be that you'd follow me on Twitter at Rich Zioli and follow, of course, Mr. Producer as well. I'd ask you to do that, too. Biden holds a six-point national lead over Trump, fueled by female voters, according to a poll that you can rip up and throw away. It's irrelevant. But the seven states that matter, where Trump is leading by double digits. I'm sorry, not double digits, but he's leading in every single one of them. One of them, he's close to double digits, though, but he's not there yet. All right, so you're the Democrats. You, you look at Joe Biden, you go, the guy's a disaster. I mean, he's a disaster. He can't speak. We can't... We're in the middle of this potential conflict with Iran. We're on the precipice now, potentially World War III. Have you heard from the commander in chief? With the exception of the few times that he stepped off Marine One and over the 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 helicopter roar, you've heard him speak for 10 seconds. The other day I had my producer pull a couple clips of Biden. I thought he was speaking on Iran. One was 10 seconds in length, and the other one was 14 seconds in length. And you couldn't hear a word of what he was saying because of the helicopter blades. But he's a, he's a president now, potentially a wartime president, and he's not addressing the nation. He's not speaking from the Oval Office. He's not speaking from the White House podium. We got John Kirby doing it every day. The president of the United States of America right now is basically John Kirby. Because he's the only one who ever comes out and says anything. Lloyd Austin was in the hospital. He just disappeared. But you know, the Democrats are killing themselves right now because they'd love to be able to take advantage of this situation. Have the president be out there talking tough, warning Iran, doing all these things, even though this administration stands with Iran. Let's be very, very clear about that. But they'd love to fake it, just like how Biden's faking it about the border. Biden's running around right now and he's saying, you need to give me more power on the border. I need power and authority. I don't have any. 
That's a lie. The president could declare a national emergency right now. The president could send the military down to the border. It's not a posse comitatus violation. The president could sign an executive order saying remain in Mexico. The president could sign an executive order ending catch and release. The president could sign an executive order reinstituting a COVID national health emergency at the border. He did. He undid all those things. Remember, Trump did all those things and Biden undid all those things. He doesn't need any more power. He's got more than enough. Plus the fact that he's empowered by the Constitution to take care that the laws are faithfully executed, which he's not doing. But he wants the money. He wants the money for Ukraine. He wants the money for all his other little projects. And that's the only way he's going to budge here. But it's very much like how right now he's trying to blame Republicans and and, and he wants to sound tough on the border. He doesn't mean it. It's the same thing with Iran. He doesn't mean it. But that doesn't mean Democrats wouldn't love to go to war. They love war. Democrats love war. And they love using war as a distraction. They do. And the reality is they'd love to wag the tail of this dog big time to try to help his poll numbers. He's got a 65% disapproval rating. But they can't have the guys speak. I mean, talk about losing an opportunity. Losing an opportunity to look presidential, to appear like the commander in chief, to be able to stand up there and reassure America that we're going to make sure that Iran doesn't do anything and blah, 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 can't do any of those things because he can't speak. They cut him off like somebody accepting an Academy Award. They play the orchestra music over him. I've never seen that before in my life. Biden will be just rambling. And you leave the podium and come back to the podium. You've noticed he does that. He'll just stop talking and then walk away and then come back and just start talking again. And then that's when the White House press corps completely freaks out. And then he just starts saying things off script and they play music, orchestra music to drown out the president of the United States of America. Have you ever seen anything like that in your life? He can't answer questions, which is why he's not going to go to the White House podium. And and he can barely read. I mean, his 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 reading is terrible. I had a friend of mine made a great joke. He said, I wish he would just turn the teleprompter around and just let us read it. It'd be a lot easier because he keeps messing up so bad and slurring his words and everything else. It's a problem for them. But you're stuck. You know, you're stuck with this guy unless you're not stuck with this guy. I was thinking the other day and I said this on my show in Philly. The Democrats would love to get rid of Joe Biden. They're stuck with Kamala Harris, who's even more unpopular than him. She's the first woman of color vice president. So you know what that means in woke world. It means you can never get rid of her. How do you get rid of her? And then I was watching the games the other day and I was talking to my buddies and one of them made a great point. He said, what if you put her on the Supreme Court? And I said, but nobody's, I mean, there's no vacancies on the court right now. Then all of a sudden out of the blue, Justice Sonia Sotomayor starts complaining about how much she hates being a Supreme Court justice. And then I didn't watch it. You didn't watch it. Nobody watched it. But CNN, the next morning, on their New Day show, they have this guy on there who's going on about how he wants to save America. And to do so, Sonia Sotomayor should step down so that Biden can appoint a Democrat justice in her place. It brings up how Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the notorious RBG, the left's hero, didn't do that. And as a consequence of that, She died when Trump was president. Trump appoints a conservative to the court and they overturn Roe v. Wade. So the guy's going on and saying that Justice Sonia Sotomayor owes it to the Democrat Party, to her country, to all the causes of the left, the women and blah, 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 to 
retire. Get off the bench now. Because if Trump wins, and this guy knows Trump's going to win, you're going to have four years, maybe more, maybe eight, maybe 12 years of Republicans appointing people to the Supreme Court. And he goes on about how she's 70 years old. She has diabetes. And she's not in great health. And she's clearly not happy and blah, blah, blah. And I thought about it. You know, with all the talk about whether or not Taylor Swift's a PSYOP or not, I kept thinking about how uh, CNN is playing a little PSYOP game with us, which is they get this conversation into the ether on purpose. I mean, the corporate media is in the tank for the Democrat Party. So obviously they want everybody out there chattering about this. Now, maybe it's not because they really want to use it as a way to get rid of Kamala Harris by putting her on the Supreme Court, but maybe it is. Maybe they accomplish both. They get another Democrat justice on the court, another kooky lefty on the on the bench. So they have to worry about one of them dying in office under Trump. And then they get rid of her. And then that makes it easier for them. They can replace Biden. Biden can whatever, you know, go out to pasture. He pardons his son, whatever it is, wants to spend time at the beach, whatever. They get rid of Biden. They run Gavin Newsom and they they call it a day. Because you can't shove Kamala Harris aside for Gavin Newsom, because then again, you are putting aside the first woman of color vice president for another white dude. Now, mind you, the Democrats did that last time when they chose Joe Biden over Kamala Harris in the primary. But woke would not go for that. And Biden's already doing terribly with black voters. So there might be some blowback there. But there could be your answer. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I, I just find it interesting that the chatter is already beginning. And I I find it interesting that Sonia Sotomayor is complaining openly out loud about her job. So we'll see what happens, but it's not going to get better for Joe Biden. These numbers are only going to get worse for him. The Fed today took no action on interest rates. Surprised me. It really did. I assumed the Fed was going to start lowering rates, try to boost the economy, try to help Joe Biden out. But so far, they've taken no action. I'll see what they do next quarter. But my guess would be at some point, the Fed is probably going to start playing games to manipulate our economy again, probably by cutting interest rates as a way to try to help Joe Biden. Short of that, what what exactly can they do to help this guy? We keep saying we're we we keep hearing from now there's going to be a retaliation because of the drone strikes that killed three of our brave service members. We're going to we're going to there's going to be retaliation for that. And we're going to see something. What is it going to be? What exactly is Joe Biden going to do? Does he know? Does anybody know? And if there is escalation, do the American people really trust this guy to be the commander in chief if the situation escalates even beyond what it's already escalated into? Now, that's the real worry here is that we do do something to retaliate. We do do something to teach Iran a big lesson. And then it does escalate in this city. It's the commander in chief. So it's a very legitimate concern that people have. And I would not put it past these people to think that if if they did get us into another conflict, it would help Joe Biden. I'm sure they're sitting around thinking that maybe people would rally around him in some way. I don't think that's the case. I think the American people are tired of it. I think they are. I think they're exhausted by it. And they it's part of the appeal that Trump has with voters. It's why he's beating Nikki Haley and he's going to beat her like a drum in South Carolina. Again, that's I don't actually mean beat her. I have to say that nowadays, you know, because everybody's touchy. But he's going to beat her. He's got a two to one lead in her home state, of, home state of South Carolina. You notice it's 745 here and I haven't brought her name up till just now. She's so irrelevant in my mind. 
she may stay in the race. The Republican establishment may try to keep her there because they're thinking hopefully something will happen. Trump is found guilty and then maybe they can do a switcheroo at the convention or something like that. So as long as they keep funding the campaign and writing checks, she may not go anywhere, but she's politically dead to Republican voters, primary voters. She's not going to win. She's not even going to come close to winning. And I think if, if something happened to Trump, if he decided to get out of the race or something or anything, I'm quite confident the Republican Party would want somebody else like Ron DeSantis. They would not want Nikki Haley. I pray they wouldn't want Nikki Haley. Let me go to uh, Jim in, I'm not sure where Jim is, but Jim, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Hello, sir. How are you? I thank you very much for taking my call. I've got a couple questions for you. One is, is a written rule that only Democrats can expel Democrats, Republicans cannot, or is it an unwritten rule that states the same thing? Well, I think it's an unwritten rule, but it states the same thing. Democrats never cross other Democrats, ever. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. They never cross other Democrats. They they will always rally around each other. It's, it's nauseating to watch. Tom is in Virginia, retired military. Tom, thank you for your service, sir. You're on the Mark Levin Show. Yeah, thank you. Uh, this is from your discussion earlier before you went on break. We're talking about the illegal aliens and the whole thing. That I understand. And this has been going on for a long, long time. Over 40 years ago, back during the Carter administration when I was a rookie cop, and we had it in Chicago where you had people, illegals committing crimes, and we call in ICE and they just bring, they let them go. They said, no, we don't call them. You let them go. And of course, you let them go on bail. They put up 100 bucks and they never show up to court. Nothing done about it. And it just goes on and on and on until something very severe occurs, like they have a car wreck. They're driving drunk all the time. They have a car wreck and kill somebody. It happened here. happens all the time. The Democrats know that this whole thing, the Democrats are upset, but the reporting is, oh, well, the Democrats want something done about legal immigration. Only in that they don't want them coming to their cities. They want the illegal immigration in the country. It's just like you said, they didn't expect these mobs to be sent up to them. What they want is the red states to be flooded with them. And they completely bury the red states. They welcome in these people. They don't uphold our own laws. And that's the problem. They've got an administration that not doing its job. It's violating the constitution. He doesn't get to decide which laws he's going to force, which not. We're just going to go ahead and let illegals in. But that's what they're doing. Yeah. They shower them with gifts from the public treasury to buy their loyalty. Yes, you're right. Tom, I have to run, but you, thank you for your service. And, and, uh, and you know, my dad was a cop. I know what a tough job it is. No, you're right. I mean, it's absolutely the plan. They, they did want to flood the zone, flood the red states with illegal immigrants, make them citizens give them the right to vote, give them all kinds of handouts and gifts and everything else, and then have their Democrat Party loyalty forever. The plan got disrupted when Greg Abbott decided to send them on a bus ride. It is the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, and for the great one, we're coming right back. Mark Levin. Does social engineering from leftist corporations make you feel like we're living in the twilight zone? 
Well, you're not alone. Pure Talk, my wireless company, knows the silent majority is fed up. And I urge all those Americans to stand with a company that champions your values. Those of you who always have your neighbors back, who've pulled yourselves up by your bootstraps, who realize that a little bit of elbow grease can fix just about anything. Well, it's time to join your fellow patriots who fled their old wireless company for something better. Pure Talk. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network for half the price of the other guys. And with unlimited plans starting at just $20 a month, the average family saves almost $1,000 a year. And it's a veteran-owned company. Pure Talk is a company you can feel proud to do business with. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin to join your fellow Americans and make the switch. That's puretalk.com slash Levin and save an additional 50% off your first month with Pure Talk. Let us go to Ed in Allentown, PA, here on the Mark Levin Show. Hello, Ed. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Uh, Real quick, I have one question. I think the Democrats, as you know, and have said they have nothing to stand on. When Trump does get the nomination and runs for election, I think the attack ads will come out in full force from the Democratic Party. Uh, based, Everything will be attacked from January 6th to all these um, uh, federal and state uh, attempts to get him to stop to get him to stop campaigning. And I think that's the main reason they're doing this. I mean, how does Trump uh, not retaliate, but how does he come and defer those ads, uh, those attacks? Because the Democrats have nothing to stand on. Uh, can he use a Reagan maneuver where he says, are things better today yeah. than they were when I was here? Bingo. Exactly. That's exactly what you do, Ed. You, you, you nailed it. You, you just asked people that question because you're right. That's the entire Biden campaign strategy. Just attack Trump. He's a threat to democracy. He's the next Mussolini, whatever. The problem for them, and thanks for the call, Ed, the problem for them is Trump is already the single most defined politician in American history. Everybody knows the guy. Warts and all, as they say, they all know him. And either they love him or they hate him. But even if they hate him, they might love his policies. You don't have to like the guy. I mean, I keep hearing about likability. doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Do you like his policies or not? That's what voters are going to be thinking about. There's no surprises left. What is there to surprise people? Is there anyone who doesn't know about January 6th at this point? Is is there anyone out there who doesn't know about the the rhetoric from the Democrats that Trump is the next Mussolini, Hitler, whatever they want to call him? No, because they did the exact same thing in 2016. It's the game they always play against conservatives. Barry Goldwater was going to cause nuclear war. Reagan was going to cause World War III. Trump was going to cause World War III. It's the same game they play all the time. And at this point now, voters have heard it. The only question they're going to be asking is, am I better off today than I was four years ago? You drive home that message, and that's how you win. Hour number three of the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, straight ahead. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? 
Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. So the tech CEOs got beat up by senators today. So what? Nothing will happen. But it was a good show to watch, no doubt about it. Welcome back to the show. It is the Mark Levin Show. The great one is off tonight. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Philadelphia's very own favorite son, Mark Levin. Well, one of their favorite sons, anyway. I'll tell you, uh, I was watching some of the hearing today, and I I, I mean, the grandstanding, it was, it's a lot. It's a lot of grandstanding. No question about it. And I want to just say this to Republicans. I want I want the Republicans to understand something. And that is this. Every time you bring up bullying on these sites, every time you do, you are playing directly into the hands of the left. And I'll tell you why. The left would love nothing more, nothing more than to have hate speech codes, than to have government information boards. The left would love to be able to determine what bullying really is. Because what is bullying and how do you define it? I heard a lot of sad stories. I mean, very sad, heart-wrenching stories about people whose children took their own lives after being exposed to online cyberbullying. I, I have three children. It, my kids are not yet there. I have a nine, a seven, and a three-year-old. They're not quite there yet, but they're going to be there. And it makes me nervous. But what really makes me nervous is the idea that we're going to turn to government and say, fix this. Because government never fixes anything. They only make things worse, particularly for conservatives and libertarians. You know, they, they would love... There was a, um, a survey that was done of college kids, all right? Recent college graduates. And this is the kind of thing that makes you incredibly nervous. 48% of college students believe the First Amendment should not protect hate speech. According to research from the William F. Buckley program at Yale. So you think about bullying and, you know, the classic example that comes to mind is um, a 16 year old girl who's called fat because of how she looks in her dress or the boy who's mocked because he's not a great athlete or he's called a nerd or whatever it is, whatever, whatever the kids are saying these days about each other. And it's it's bad. It's terrible. And then you turn around and you say, all right, something has to be done about. it." So what do you do about it now? Today, the CEOs of the tech companies got yelled at and screamed at. And Mark Zuckerberg, everybody loves to beat up on little Zuck. And he deserves it, too, because of all the Zuck bucks that he poured into the elections. But the thing about it is these tech CEOs will sit there and they'll take it. They'll 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 take the hits. They'll 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 take the smacks and the smackdown and then they'll go make billions of dollars. And they won't really do anything because the problem is there's not really much they can do regarding bullying online now we're dealing with sex offenders and 
and child trafficking and all that. That's a whole different story, but that's not what I'm talking about. Obviously, that is separate. But one thing that I think has to be acutely aware is that we are living in an age right now. You've got a lot of politicians who would love to be able to put you away or find you because they don't like what you're saying. They don't like what you're saying about somebody. And there are these uh, there are different iterations of this. You know, there's an idea now to, to, to ban social media for anybody who's under the age of 16. Of course, to do that, though, you need an age verification of some kind, which then also would mean that everybody would have to verify their age and their identity, which then destroys the concept of being anonymous online. And as you know, and as Marcus told you, they wrote the Federalist Papers using pseudonyms because we had to hide, and we still do in many cases, our identities from the government. I want to have the freedom to be able to post online without the government knowing who I am. There's, there's already enough. You know, the story that came out about how Biden's tracking credit card receipts of people that shop at Cabela's, for example. You buy a Cabela's hat, you're on a list, you know, you might be a domestic violent extremist. Betsy Ross flag, gun. They're monitoring all those purchases. And then the idea that you would have to turn over something, your driver's license, your birth certificate, to either the site, a third party, whatever. And even if they say they delete all the information, do you really believe that? I don't for a second. So I think as parents, we have to do a good job of raising our children to not be bullies and also to raise our children to be resilient to people who are. But I get very nervous. You know, when I hear Republicans screaming about how we got to do something, we got to do something. And I think you got to be careful here because you're playing into the hands of the left. Say there's a 13 year old because they'll, they'll always bring up the children, right? They'll always say the children you have to protect the children. So say there's a 13 year old and he's conservative and he goes on social media and says, I am not going to say that a boy in my class is a girl. I refuse to do it. Or he misgenders or mispronouns or whatever the hell the term is now to, to somebody. Well, that's bullying. So then what happens to the kid? The kid gets in trouble. Do the parents get in trouble? Does the FBI come and raid the house and kick down the door and drag the parents out? I don't know. I mean, do you put anything past these people? If a 15-year-old boy goes online and says something to a girl who's pregnant you should keep the baby because that's a life. And then the left says, well, he's bullying her because she might choose abortion. And then what do they do to that kid? Because they've defined that as bullying. You know what I mean? It's very easy to get caught up in the whole idea of, of somebody saying something mean about a girl in a dress. And then she feels bad about her self-image and her depression. But let's not forget something, too. Government caused this problem in a big way. By shutting down our schools, shutting down activities for kids, closing playgrounds forcing our kids to be even more addicted to these screens because they had nothing else to do all day. They were sitting around all day. They couldn't hang out with their friends. They couldn't go out, couldn't do things. So they got even more addicted to social media. And yeah, these are addictive products. There's lots of things that are addictive. I heard um, today, I think it was Lindsey Graham who compared social media to cigarettes. All right. So what happened to big tobacco? Government went after them. They paid massive amounts of money and then people are still smoking. You can still buy cigarettes. The left loves to tax cigarettes and they love to use the revenue for all kinds of different things. My point is that they may get some money out of big tech. But make no mistake, Mark Zuckerberg 
Oh, he'd be all in on a hate speech code. He, they're all, when the government needed them to silence people who were speaking the things that the government didn't like during COVID, did big tech really give a problem to them? No. I mean, the case of Missouri v. Biden, which is dealing with the question of whether or not if the government pushes big tech to censor, is that government censorship? And the answer, of course, is yes. You know, if I'm the health inspector and I bully the deli owner because I want him to give money to the mayor, I, 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 it's still government pushing somebody and making them do something at the behest of, you know, not for nothing, but I could shut this place down because your baloney's one degree too high or something. Of, of course, the government was pushing big tech to silence people who spoke out on the COVID vaccines or the lab leak theory, the Hunter Biden laptop, whatever it is. But you didn't have to ask him really hard. I mean, they, you'd have to push them that much. They were willing to do their bidding. They were willing to help out. They were willing to do their part. And they would love a government disinformation board. Did you really hear much objection from big tech? With the exception of Elon Musk, who obviously now they hate Elon Musk because he's allowed Twitter X to be a free platform of free speech. But did you really ever hear big tech complain when Nina Jankowitz, the failed musical theater actress, was going to be the leader of the disinformation board? Did you really hear the big tech scream how CISA, the government agency, the cyber security agency, was actually censoring people during COVID? You know, that's right now what the House Oversight Committee is demanding answers to. Big tech wasn't complaining. So be very careful. You know, when you go down this road, you can you can yell at them, you can scream at them, you can do a big show, you can make your clips go viral and all that. But remember, you're playing with fire here. Because the left would love to be able to step in and say, we agree, this has to stop. So yeah, let's create a government board to monitor what's said on social media. They'd love to take over the internet. They're trying to take over the internet. They're trying to take over the internet right now in the name of equity. The Biden administration this week unveiled new rules, which should basically tell Internet service providers where they can and can't increase their service speeds, where they have to make new infrastructure investments, all in the name of equity. Told you earlier in the show how the NSA is purchasing Americans' Internet browsing history. The FBI did the same thing. And even though the Fourth Amendment makes it very clear, you need a warrant if you want to get information about me. They don't care. They just buy it. They just buy that information, which clearly should be unconstitutional. I mean, it's one thing if a if a third party private company buys my information, the government shouldn't be able to do that because the Constitution is pretty clear. If the government wants information, they, they got to get a warrant. So the government, the, I mean, the Democrat Party, the, the left would love to just completely take over the Internet. And then who pays the price for that? Conservatives do. Libertarians do. You speak out against the things they don't like. Climate change? Oh, that's misinformation now. You take a 15-year-old who maybe goes online and starts going on about how climate change is a Marxist plot to destroy capitalism in America and everything else, and then you know, he, might be, he, might be, he might be engaging in bullying somebody. Or say he comes out and he says something to the effect of, um, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry if your family's having tough economic times. I don't think you should be able to raise my taxes and take my family's hard-earned money and spread around the wealth is he bullying kids who are poor or of less means or less privilege or whatever term the left uses 
I don't know, but all I know is in their eyes, the answer to that question is yes. Yes, they are. And yes, they'd love to shut that down. And yes, they'd love to be able to tell you what's true and what's not true and to be able to regulate your speech online so that they can make sure that only the truth is coming out. Even though these people have lied to us so much over the years, big tech, I call it the unholy triad of big tech, the corporate media and the government working together, just like they did with the Hunter Biden laptop to tell you it was Russian disinformation to ban the New York Post and their platform, stop people from sharing the content. Oh, no, no, they 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 they're just itching for more power and more control here. So, you know, you want to yell at Mark Zuckerberg, you want to yell at these tech CEOs and demand they do more on these things. Okay, but remember, the government's not going to be able to solve this for us. The government will create things under the guise of protecting our children or protecting civility or whatever other nonsense they throw out there. But the end result will really be censoring and silencing conservatives because that's what they want to do. Of course, it's what they want to do. They want to shut down people who are able to do their their videos online and tweets and Facebook posts that all go against what the regime wants. You know that and I know that. And they want to be able to ensure that only their message gets out. They don't want debate. They want to shut down debate. And they'd love to do it under the guise of stopping bullying. I'm not suggesting it's not an issue. Just think parents have to be able to deal with it. Parents have to make these decisions and parents have to be more engaged. And big tech has a responsibility, but like any other private entity, getting the government to regulate them will have unintended consequences. No question about it. And unfortunately, I only see those unintended consequences of blowing up in our faces and something that we will really regret without a question. 877-381-3811. It is the Mark Levin Show. Speaking of the out-of-control government, they want to renew Section 702 of the FISA Act, even after all of the abuse by the Department of Justice. Should they do it, we'll talk about it. Don't go away. Mark Levin. Seven seven three eight one three eight one one here on the Mark Levin Show. Let's go to Mike in New York. Hey, Mike, thanks for the call. Hey, how's it going today? I just, All right, uh, thanks. I want to chime in on your point. Your point of um, the government having to go through a subpoena, and I follow that. But I'm not, never been a big fan of uh, big tech as it is, even though I use it because. They have Big Brother, effectively. We all worried about it from the local standpoint of our governments being it, but we've all signed up for our, our businesses to be it. And it's interesting how much we allow them to do it. In Europe, they've moved to a model where you have to authorize it before they can sell your information. I'm a little surprised we haven't done that, considering how we look at our freedoms. Um, we make our banks do that. You can't just, a bank can't do it. You have to actually authorize the bank to do it. Well, I, I mean, I'd be fine with that. You know, making the companies have to say you have to opt in. I mean, that that would be fine. Uh, there is that, you know, user agreement that nobody reads, obviously. But it's all in there, apparently. We check it. We can't use it without, you know, going through it. But, yeah, look, I'm all for saying, you know, you got to opt in. And I wish more of them would do it on, on their own. But, see, I worry less about 
I worry less about, say, a clothing company buying my Internet history than I worry about my government doing it, because I can always find ways to ignore their ads. I can use DuckDuckGo. I mean, there's, you know, there's ways around it. What I can't do is keep the government from spying on me. I, I can't keep the government from making a profile on me that I'm some MAGA potential domestic violent insurrectionist. I, I can't stop that. I can't stop the government from doing anything. And this is the the distinction here, and this is the problem. And so, you know, let's not forget that, yeah, while these ads are annoying, when the government comes kicking through your door because you're a pro-lifer and and you posted or something or they know that you were praying outside an abortion clinic and, you know, now they want to take you away to prove a point because the woman who is running the Civil Rights Division at the Department of Justice is an abortion advocate. Kristen Clark. That's what her entire office is doing right now is trying to go after pro-lifers who are praying outside abortion clinics so yeah you know i i just i have a hard time when the government breaks the rules and and you know and i know that the, the federal government should not just be able to get your browsing history unless they have reason to believe you've committed a crime or you're going to commit a crime it's not some sort of future crime like in a movie but you know some imminent threat that is really such a rare thing anyway but either way you should have they should have to get a, a warrant judge you want my information you you want to know my my receipts as they say well then get a warrant you don't have a damn you don't have a right to know what i buy you have no right to know how many guns i buy you have no right to know how much ammunition i buy you have no right there's no right for the government to know those things about me i don't need them profiling me anymore i don't need them having more information on me they're only going to eventually use it against me for my political views because we see it happen all the time with the weaponization of government. We'll be right back. If Mark has banned you from the show, we have a special number you can call to reach him. 877-381-3811. So Senator John Fetterman sent out a picture on Twitter a short time ago. Thank you to Mr. Producer for sending that my way. Uh, it's entitled Date Night. And it's John Fetterman, Senator Fetterman, and his wife, Giselle. She's in a lovely black dress. He is wearing black shorts. And what we can't figure out, what we're trying to understand during the break is whether or not, whatever he's wearing is a Carhartt hoodie. But what I don't know, because it's unclear, is whether or not it's a Carhartt hoodie that has a tuxedo already illustrated on it or I don't really know. Or if he put that on top of the hoodie. I don't know. But it looks like he's got a bow tie, what would be tuxedo lapels and a tuxedo shirt and the and the thingies you put over the buttons on top of his big black Carhartt hoodie. And he's got his shorts on. And I mean, it looks like a complete bum. But what I don't know is, can I buy this? Because I want to get that just because it looks really cool. In some way, shape, or form, a Carhartt hoodie that is a tuxedo. Anyway, uh, you know what's an awful, awful group of vile people is uh, the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, UNRWA. You've heard a lot about this this week. I know Mark's talked a lot about it. And Trump got rid of the aid to this awful organization, U.S. dollars going to them. And it's completely been infiltrated by Hamas. And we know that people who work there were participating in the October 7th attacks. But the the larger point about the United Nations 
is that they are a vile organization. They really are. Biden delivered, ready for this, $121 million in taxpayer funds to Hamas-tied UNRWA since October, according to the State Department. There is 300000 remaining in taxpayer dollars approved for UNRWA that has been frozen, according to the State Department. Since October, this is from Fox News, since October, the Biden administration has sent about $121 million in taxpayer funds to the United Nations Relief Agency. A remaining $300,000 was supposed to be delivered to the humanitarian relief organization in the next few weeks. First of all, they're not a humanitarian relief organization. Stop it. Stop it with that nonsense. More of the propaganda. Actually, you know, I'll share with you a tweet that Mark sent out a short time ago. He said um, Trump had cut off UNRWA. Of course, Biden funded it like never before. The U.N. is an evil institution operating in our midst. It's headed by a Hitlerian. It's blue helmets rape and its employees promote Palestinian terrorism in the Middle East, including direct involvement in the October 7th slaughter of Israelis. Let the Democrat Party and Soros fund it since they defend the institution rather than the American people. Well said. Well said indeed. Uh, 877-381-3811 if you want to weigh in here. Let us go to, see the go to the calls here. Got to pull up my call screen. Go to Joe in Trenton, New Jersey. Hello, Joe. How you doing, Rich? All right, uh, buddy. Rich, you know, we got the cast of the Wizard of Oz leading this country. You got the cowardly lion in the White House. You got the brainless scarecrow leading the State Department. And you got the heartless tin man leading the Pentagon. Uh, I got a problem with the leadership in this country, uh, the leadership of our military in this country. And, and some of the, the, the examples I want to bring out is, first of all, is our, our withdrawal from Afghanistan. Then we've got... Chinese planes buzzing our planes, Chinese ships buzzing our ships. And the killer for me is Chinese presence in Cuba. Now, this, make, this makes me believe that this administration is confirmed with China as to how they should react with the, uh, uh, our troops being killed in the Middle East. And the reason I bring that up is because, you know, China's supplying the arms to Iran you know China's buying the uh, the oil there, and I'm telling it, it. It just really scares the hell out of me about this president and his. Uh, is I honestly believe he's a Manchurian uh, candidate. Well, Joe, there's a lot of people that agree with you. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. There's another factor in this too, and I want to make that point. Oh, on the China point too. Christopher Ray today said China is working overtime to do cyber attacks against the American people, against American infrastructure. No question about it. No, no doubt. And this administration, look, they're completely in the tank for China. And I'll tell you the reason why. It's because they have the receipts. That's why Joe Biden did business in China. China owns him. They literally own him. The Biden crime family did business in China to the tune of millions and millions of dollars. And they know every dollar of it and it goes right to joe biden that's why we're not telling china to stop buying oil from iran i mean that'd be the first thing we should be doing right if they're our buddy hey help us out here stop buying their oil but we're not doing that we will never tell china what to do biden reversed the sanctions that put on trump put on china he's never going to do anything to bully china because they've got the goods on him it's an ultimate extortion plot is what it is but Andy McCarthy at National Review pointed something else out, which I think is worth your attention. 
with regards to Iran. He wrote, there is a link here between Biden's border crisis and Biden's Iran crisis. There's an overlap. He said, for many years, Iran has had an operational alliance with the Marxist totalitarian regime in Venezuela. This gives Iran a toehold in the West and a well-trod route to infiltrate operatives across the southern border. Biden has appeared blithely indifferent to this, which is no surprise when we remember the, de- the debacle last fall when Biden agreed to the prisoner exchange to unfreeze $6 billion of Iranian money. Then it turned out that most of the Iranian prisoners who had been or were being prosecuted by the Justice Department for clandestine activities on behalf of Tehran were U.S. persons who got to stay in the United States rather than being returned to Iran. Biden is facilitating illegal illegal immigration from Venezuela, among other South and Central American countries, through a lawless visa scheme. There's a report from Andrew Arthur of the Center for Immigration Studies about the staggering number of illegal immigrants, 371,000, who entered the country just last month. Arthur relates that despite the fact that Biden reserves for Venezuela a healthy share of the annual illegal parole grants from his CHNV program, that's Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela, Tens of thousands of additional aliens from those countries are showing up illegally every month. Last month, of 61,500 such illegal aliens, 47,000 were from Venezuela. That's bad, but not as bad as the 51,000 from Venezuela in September. And he writes, does any rational person think Iran is not capitalizing on this scheme? Last week, the House Homeland Security Committee reported that of the 3.2 million illegal aliens encountered while entering our country last year, many come from countries hostile to the United States, and 169 are persons whose names appear on the terrorist watch list, 18 in September alone. Now, he points out that, mind you, this does not factor in the estimated 1.7 million gotaways estimated to have entered since 2021, Those are aliens who sneak in, evading any encounter with border agents. It's simply impossible to know how many of these have ties to Iran and other hostile countries. In February of 2021, for example, 11 Iranians were caught sneaking in. But we know that only because they were arrested. Is Biden worried about escalating the already escalated war in the Middle East? Yes. But what Biden officials will never tell you is that because the president has failed in his most basic duty to secure America's borders, the administration has no idea how many Iranian operatives may be in the country. How many Iranian jihadist cells could be activated if our military responds forcefully to the drone attack in Jordan? He says, I'll close by republishing testimony from FBI Director Christopher Wray three months ago, in which he observed that Terrorist threats in the wake of Iran-backed Hamas's October 7th atrocities were surging in a manner eerily reminiscent of the months prior to the 9-11 jihadist attack that killed nearly 3,000 Americans in 2001. Here's what Ray said about Iran specifically. While historically our Hamas cases have identified individuals located here who are facilitating and financing Hamas's terrorism overseas, 
We're continuing to scrutinize our intelligence to assess how the threat may be evolving, but it's not just Hamas. As the world's largest state sponsor of terrorism, the Iranians, for instance, have directly or by hiring criminals mounted assassination attempts against dissidents and high-ranking current and former U.S. government officials, including right here on American soil. And along those lines, Hezbollah, Iran's primary strategic partner, has a history of seeding operatives and infrastructure, obtaining money and weapons and spying in this country going back years. Again, this is the FBI director saying this. See, when the FBI stops spying on Americans and actually does the job it's supposed to do, they can learn things like this. Given that disturbing history, we're keeping a close eye on what impact recent events may have on those groups' intentions here in the United States and how those intentions might evolve. For example, the cyber targeting of American interests and critical infrastructure that we already see, conducted by Iran and non-state actors alike, will likely get worse if the conflict expands, as will the threat of kinetic attacks. So there is a big correlation here, and that should not be lost on anyone. And then in the wake of this border crisis, you have um, the Massachusetts governor crying, crying as she announces that she is converting the Roxbury Recreation Center into a new shelter for illegals. All right. Take a listen. Cut three. Go. Emotional, guys. OK, because I'm committed to this. Little kids need to be able to breathe clean air. They need to be able to access swimming pools. They need to have lifeguards there who are going to teach them how to swim. And they need to have activities. I don't know what we're going to do for a couple, three months. I'll call universities. I'll call other places. I don't know what we're going to do. We said hate had no home here. But now we have lots of hate for these illegal immigrants who are coming to our state. Because even though I said you're welcome here, I didn't really mean it. It's the it's the it's the scenario of just pop by anytime you like, just stop by anytime. And then your neighbor takes you up on it and shows up. You have nothing to offer them. No food, nothing in the house, only alcohol. It's very awkward. It's kind of like that. You know, all these blue cities, all these sanctuary cities turned around and said, yes, no human is illegal. Hey, has no home here. Come here. We're sanctuary cities. And now they're all dealing with people who actually showed up. Because they were invited, but they just never thought they'd take them up on the invitation. It's very awkward. I mean, in Philadelphia, our mayor did a dance when Philadelphia became a sanctuary city. He did a dance in the hallway. It was a bad white man's overbite, too. And he did the dance and he said, we are a sanctuary city. Yeah. And then gave his chief of staff a high five. So. That's what we had happen in Philadelphia. And then, of course, they they show up and then they go, we don't want you here. We don't have enough food and shelter. And that's what they do. Uh, I'm telling you right now. It's a problem for Democrat mayors and governors, but they brought this on themselves and they don't call their president and say, do something about it because they've created this problem. You know, if you think about what Kathy Hochul just said, for example, the governor of New York just came out a short time ago and she suggests deporting a bunch of illegal immigrants, a mob of them who pounded on cops in a caught on camera attack near Times Square. You may have seen this that happened. It was a, a, a scene like something you'd see in a, in, a, in a third world country 
far away from the United States of America, a caught-on-camera attack on two NYPD cops in Times Square, and now the governor of New York is actually suggesting that maybe these people should be deported. The Democrat governor speaking to reporters after announcing the nomination of Stephen James as New York State Police Superintendent on Wednesday was asked about the shocking beatdown and whether the asylum-seeking suspects should be deported. She said, I think it's actually something that should be looked at. Looked, looked at, looked at. I mean, if someone commits a crime against a police officer in the state of New York and they're not here legally, it's definitely worth checking into. These are law enforcement officers who should never, under any circumstances, be subjected to physical assault, the governor said. It's wrong in all accounts, and I'm looking to judges and prosecutors to do the right thing. Hey, listen, Gov. The entire point of sanctuary cities was that the feds could not deport criminals. So that criminals who were literally being held in county jails and county correctional facilities and state facilities... The feds could not get them and deport them. That's entirely what a sanctuary city means. And you embrace those policies. You and every other Democrat. This is the Mark Levin Show. We're coming right back. Mark Levin. I want to apologize. I said something earlier I should not have said. I'm sorry, but... I called uh, Pennsylvania Senator, uh, I said John Fetterman, and I really do try to leave gender out of it. You know, so John Fetter person, I want to just correct myself there if there's any confusion. I wouldn't want, you know, the, the left saying that I was inserting gender into the man's last name. So Senator John Fetter person posting a picture of him or his body double and his wife to show everybody that everything's okie dokie. Now, I had a friend of mine who's a uh, who's a woman. She is a woman and a biological female at that. And she responded by saying um, (laughs) she does not look into him. But, hey, let's go squash those rumors. Yeah, it's um, it's awkward. You know, when you're not into the body double, it's very awkward. I'm just kidding. She looks totally into the body double. Anyway, uh, thanks for being here tonight for the Mark Levin Show. I appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter or X, as they say. I just I still have a hard time saying X. It just sounds creepy, but at Rich Zioli, if you like. And I do host the Afternoon Drive show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Mark's hometown of Philadelphia. We're very proud to have this program on our station, obviously. Uh, Mark's just the best. So... I'll tell you this, as we look at, and I want to conclude the show by how I started it with those seven states that have Trump leading, Pennsylvania being one of them, but also Michigan and the border states of Arizona and Nevada, North Carolina and Wisconsin, which is a state that Republicans never win. But the Michigan one, look to that. That's those are blue collar people right there. This is this is the Rust Belt going Trump's way. And as goes the Rust Belt, as they say, it as goes Pennsylvania and then as goes the White House. These numbers are actually, I think, even better for Trump than the polls are showing. But ignore the national polls. Look at the polls of the states that matter and see that he has a convincing lead. Thank you so much to Mr. Producer and Steve for letting me hang out for the night. It's me, Rich Zioli, signing off for the great one, Mark Levin. Thank you for listening.